You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Happy Ides of May. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up, May 15th, 2020. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning. Hey, good morning, Craig. You know, it's one of the few times that, uh, you know, we're not going to sound like idiots today. Uh, even though lots of people question any, you know, the fools that care about precious metals, but right. uh, those people that have been listening and acting, man, are they in good shape and getting better. And getting better, and it's time to buy some physical metal again, my friend. Uh, Sprott Money back open for business uh, with COVID nineteen virtually shutting down all mining and shipping operations since late March. We've been working hard to get the supply line safely and securely reopened to provide you access to precious metals, and now we've got them. So you can call us up at 888-861-0775 or just simply go to SprottMoney.com. We've got new products coming in daily, so check back often to see if we have something right for you. It's good to be back in business. And uh, at a such a fun time, my friend, uh, rallying prices like crazy, silver finally really rushing forward. What are your thoughts as we go to wrap up the week? Well, everything looks great. And I think there's even more reasons for greatness that have come up in the last little while. And, for example, we talked about the HSBs thing where they had uh, – 12 exceedances of their value at risk in the month of March. And then a data point came out that uh, they lost 200 million in one day and pointed to gold that they got out of line with the, the gold shorts. It's not easy to lose 200 million a day, by the way, you have to have one hell of a big position short to lose 200 million in a day. And of course they didn't have just one day. They had 12 days when they lost money in excess of, uh, of what they define as their value of it at risk. So that's one thing to put in. And it wasn't just them either. BNP, uh, BNP Bank in uh, France also was impacted. The other interesting thing that I find incredibly noteworthy is uh, yesterday morning when the, when the market was down, and obviously it went back up yesterday, but uh, Wells Fargo hit a new low, we had the S&P rally 30% and Wells Fargo's hitting a new low. What are they trying to tell us? What is the stock market trying to tell us? And uh, even uh, J.P. Morgan, I think, traded near 140 about two months ago. The low was 76. It got down to, it was at something like 80 or 81 yesterday. Like, where's the rally here? Is there something wrong is there something wrong in the banking business? What could be wrong? Could every loan be wrong? Could every personal balance be wrong? Could the derivatives be wrong? Could your goal position be wrong? Or, oh, why don't we just say everything's wrong? There's no margin. Like, of course it's bad, because look at where the economy's going here. And, and how do you deal with 30 million people not getting money? And on that same vein, I would say that Chairman Powell's comments uh, that he made on Wednesday mm-hmm. were so sobering. I mean, I couldn't believe that he kind of went straight out there. And, of course, the first thing he said was, well, it looks like the COVID-19 is not going to uh, recover as quickly as we might have anticipated. Then he went on to say that... Um, uh, there was a survey done by the Fed that all of those making less than 40000 
in uh, in annual pay from uh, uh, February to March. Forty percent of them lost their jobs. Forty percent of them lost their jobs. And you know, oh well, thank God the fifteen hundred bucks is going to help, right? Right. Now that we might be extending into a further uh, what three months or something. Uh, so there's and and he also said. And if you stay down too long economically, you can have permanent damage. Mm -hmm. And what was a liquidity uh, issue can become a solvency issue. Those are sobering, sobering comments. No doubt. And I'm sure we've all relate to people who are in a jam and companies in a jam. It's not difficult. Probably 80% of North America's in a jam both people and companies. So yeah. where's this market going to go here? And and why wouldn't you want to own gold and silver stocks? So maybe we should start talking about the precious metals now. Well, yeah, you know, you know and, that, and that's the thing that for everybody that needs to understand, because uh, I keep hearing this point made on television down here, that, that we're going to somehow borrow the 5 to $10 trillion that are going to be needed to keep the economy afloat. We're not borrowing anything it's all going to be created and funded and directly monetized by the fed and that's where this has a direct impact of course it does and of course and if if for example the united states is is as liberal with their money as they appear to be and more liberal than everyone else in the world everyone else in the world will understand that and potentially react to that like why are those guys spending that much money right and where are they getting all this money so it's a it's a big deal um, oh, just anecdotally, there was a friend of mine who was speaking with somebody at one of the major banks, and uh, they're talking about some area. I think it was in Houston. That's a sort of a high-rent area, you know, where people do a lot of shopping. And there were 50 retail outlets down there. And in the month of March and April, none of those people paid their rents. Zero mm. out mm. of 50. So you, you got big problems going on in the economy here. And it keeps telling you, and of course, going back to basics in the gold business, you want to have your money out of the banking system. Uh, you had a great interview with James Turk yesterday. What did he say? Get your money out of the of the banks. And while we're on getting your money out, how about what's going on in, in these ETFs? Right. And we, we have data like, um, in, in the case of the GLD, like yesterday, they they took on uh, five hundred thousand ounces yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one hundred and twenty five million ounces a year if you annualize. You know how I love annualizing things. That's that's a um, hundred hundred and whatever million. We don't even produce a hundred million ounces a year. How how are you gonna how can they buy that? Which takes me to the article that Ronan Manley did that uh, pointed out that it looks like the GLD is borrowing gold from the Bank of England in order to pretend that they have the gold uh, in the GLD. There was also a great article by Nick Barashev who just basically ripped apart the GLD, how it's a front for non-ownership of gold. So I would caution people on GLD. Be very careful on GLD. I can assure you that the Sprott Physical Fund have the physical product. GLD, I don't know. Right. I, I rather doubt it. I rather doubt it. Okay. It's uh, how they could buy th- these amounts of 
gold and silver on a weekly basis and daily basis is beyond me. Uh, I think, for example, the the silver ETFs supposedly took on something like 30 million ounces in the month. 30 million ounces, that's 360 annualized. We produce something like, we mine something like 900 million ounces. And uh, only a part of it's supposed to go to investing, like maybe 25% of that. So that's 250 a year at the most, or 220 a year. And we're, we're, we're buying the silver in the ETFs at the rate of 360, which means they're not getting it either. Nope. Somehow they're, they're getting some piece of paper from a bank saying, we have it here, even though they don't. Precisely. So, so all the more reason for people to like, don't miss, don't make the mistake of believing that you own gold when you own a piece of paper, okay? Unless it's, unless it's a high-quality piece of paper. But I suspect that the GLD and the SLV don't own the uh, precious metal products that they advertise that they own. That's just my own view. And it's logistically impossible. I mean, this doesn't take a lot. You know, we're not splitting atoms here. I mean, the GLD has added almost 200 metric tons since QE to infinity began back on March 23rd. We heard all about the logistic issues and the gold's in the wrong place and the airplanes aren't flying and all these other excuses that the apologists came up with. 200 metric tons, Eric, another 12, as you said yesterday, 22% there alleged inventory has gone up. I mean, come on, use your brains. That's It's yeah, promissory yeah, yeah. notes and warehouse receipts and the like. I can give you another uh, data item. I'm sitting here looking at the last nine days of the uh, COMEX and silver. They've delivered 8,000 contracts, supposedly. 8,000 contracts. Yep. What are we talking here? Uh, 440 million ounces? 40 million ounces they've right. delivered on the COMEX, <laughs> right. let alone the, whatever went into the ETF? It's Are you kidding me? It's laughable. We're supposed to believe this stuff? <laughs> Same thing in gold. All these deliveries. And by the way, the open interest was staying very flat. That's why I've started to monitor this every day now. Okay? Mm-hmm. Until the last couple of days when the open interest has actually had to shoot up as they try to keep a lid on it. You know, what they do is they short it so that it won't run up. And, of course, here we're, we're, we turn around today and we got silver up 70 cents and gold's whatever, up 15 or whatever it is, and it was up strong yesterday. Like, they just can't hold it. They're not going to be able to hold it. We already know there's a problem in the physical thing with the HSBC nonsense, uh, with the diff- difference in pricing between the LBMA and the COMEX, which was a, basically a failure, as James described to you. So we have a lot of evidence saying this thing's going to go a long way, the precious metal stocks. Yep. Well, I, we should probably turn to that. I've got a lengthy list for you again this week. Anything else on your mind, though, before we do? I don't think so. I'm, I think we should move on. And uh, I'll, do, I'll do one general comment again. I want to re, re- suggest this. The, the weighting, of course, of the gold stocks and the TSX is probably pushing 11 or 12% today because they're the one group that's going up yeah. while everything else is going down. And again, most Canadians don't own that percentage, and most Canadian institutions don't own that percentage, particularly because the foreigners are the buyers, and most stocks are listed in Toronto. So this bar- bizarre situation where the Canadian institutions will never own 11% gold, even though it's the top-performing group, so they'll look like schmucks at the end of every month because they didn't participate, which will make, make them keep leaning into things. We've seen a lot of issues in Toronto lately, a lot, uh, and probably half the buying is coming from outside the country. So everything's kind of setting up that way as well in the market generally. 
I would add, I call it the rule rule. Eric, you like that one? Uh, yeah. Your good, good friend, Rick Rule, uh, told me a year ago, uh, we were talking about this. And he said, you know, the global asset allocation to the sector is still less than 1%. You know, if it goes to 2%, do you have any idea how much cash that is? Chasing yeah. a finite amount of investment opportunities. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's yeah. the rule rule. Yeah, because the amount of gold produced in a year increases the world supply by 1.5%. Yeah. In other words, that's what you can get in every year. One and a half percent new. And so to go from one to two, the stocks have to double. Well, thank God they have doubled almost. <laughs> They're working on there it. There you go. And maybe they'll have to double again. <laughs> and again. Well, and, and to yeah. that end, uh, again, we've got a lengthy list. We always invite folks to to send in questions. The list is, is, is because this is becoming such a popular segment, Eric, is getting uh, too long for us almost to manage every week. Now, we always go through the names. If you don't hear your name mentioned, it's because Eric didn't have an opinion, didn't know anything about it. And so, therefore, we're not going to – we can't talk about it. Uh, but we do have a list this week to cover. And I do want to mention the Ask the Expert segment that we do every month at Sprott Money is going to feature Mickey Fulp this month. So you can send in your questions at submissions at SprottMoney.com for Mickey Fulp. I mean, runs a fabulous a free newsletter. And I'll save some of these questions, uh, some of these companies, and ask Mickey uh, when we talk to him next week. But for some of these, Eric, I know you do have an opinion. Let's start with the big picture. A lot of folks asking, why the heck is it that Kirkland Lake seems to get the, the snot kicked out of it? Uh, repeatedly. Yeah. Do people just not like the Detour Gold acquisition? What's the deal? Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, I think the stock got down to uh, maybe even something like 25 Canadian is now 55, okay? And it has been to the 60s. So it has recovered pretty well post the Detour fiasco. And of course, the, the Detour thing was the analyst saying, well, you know, your costs per ton are going to go up because you're doing low grades at a high grade. To me, that was a non-starter as an argument. It's just totally ridiculous. And so I would say the stock has uh, reacted back very nicely and probably well in line with other gold stocks. Uh, I would say the reason for the most recent, I'm going to call it softness, is I would say that the conference call they had uh, just after the first quarter where they had no guidance for the year and no three-year guidance uh, and the most important they didn't have an update on Fosterville drilling, okay? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a huge omission. Whether you found it or not, I think you should at least talk about it. That's just an important topic. You know that people realize that if you don't find more at Fosterville, your production should go full, fall off. Now, I have uh, spoken to uh, some of the people that are aware of what's going on at Fosterville, and uh, the sense is that they will find extensions to the Swan Zone and other swan zone so um but that's you know we we don't know that until they tell us that um so i think that's one of the reasons why it's softened off a little here there's a couple of other reasons uh general reasons uh and i am very aware of that kirkland egg gold being a high cost producer will not be the number one performing stock this year that is a given you want to buy crap companies where their costs are like 1200 an ounce and the price going to 1700 Now they're making 500 instead of nothing. And those are the stocks that are really going to run here. And they have one other problem. In my mind, the play is silver. 
The play is silver now. Now, Christopher Mullen, who runs Technical Traders, uh, had an article out suggesting that uh, uh, silver could could have a sharp break here up to 21 to 23 dollars in the next four to six weeks something in that time frame that's not very long time um and the way it's acting today i mean we're we're pushing 17 i think on the futures yeah uh so it's had a real quick recovery here and far outperforming gold and of course i think of the vulnerability of the comex traders who can't get the short position down they have uh, something like 650 million ounces short in silver, short. And th- we might only be producing like 50% of what we used to produce because all of these shutdowns. Uh, so that's uh, probably about 450 million out of the mines, and these guys are short 650. And people are moving in. People are theor- theoretically buying silver when they buy SLB. They're not actually. Um, but, you know, some people will realize they better not buy SLB, they better buy the physical thing. And, of course, we don't have data on the physical thing. I bought a couple of million ounces of silver this year. It's not in any data anywhere. I think I'd ever buy SLV. Forget it. Right. So, you know, there's – anyway. Uh, so I think silver is going to outbite oh, – on his uh, long-term target on silver, $78. You can just imagine what some of these things would be trading at. Like, forget your fang stocks, okay? These guys, the money they'd make is silly. So – I, those are two reasons, two big reasons why uh, it, it would appear that Kirkland Lake, even though it's a great company, is, is uh, being outperformed by other things. Well, one of those other things could be a company you mentioned a couple of weeks ago called Silvercrest. Do you have any thoughts there? Sure. Uh, well, there was a big block went up yesterday, 9 million shares, of which I bought a big part of that, uh, just a little over half, okay? Uh, they had some phenomenal drilling results in their Chispis project. Uh, these gentlemen are very understated. I think it's going to be much better than they're suggesting, and I think they know it's going to be much better than they're suggesting, but they're going to continue to suggest that, you know, things, uh, they won't produce that much more. But in, even in the latest news release, they talked about, hey, we found these new veins closer to the mill, we weren't even thinking they were there. Well, and they're higher. They're t- almost twice the grade, almost twice the grade of what their studies were based on. Well, anybody listening to us knows that grade is everything. When you double your grade, your earnings might go up by 300%. So those, that's a very important thing to think of. And I think Silvercrest is, is going to have very, very high grades when they finally get into production. So... I'm uh, I'm taking a pretty good shot at that one. You know, another company you mentioned for the first time a few weeks ago had some interesting developments this week. Uh, call it maybe a tri merger. Grand Columbia merged oh, yeah. with two others. Uh, what do you think yeah. of the combined entity? Well, the theory was that Goldex has a very large deposit. That's about uh, fifty kilometers from Guiana Goldfields, who has a lot of infrastructure, and so you could move. The, the ore from Goldex to Guiana Goldfields to process it in in lieu of Goldex having to put out something like three to four hundred million to build their own infrastructure. And that, that was the reason that they bid for both companies. Uh, the board of Guiana Goldfields has rejected or rec- recommended the rejection of the 
uh, Guiana Gold, uh, the uh, right. Grand Columbia. There's too many. There's so many guys in this thing. I'm I'm losing track of the name. <laughs> <laughs> they, they rejected that bid. Uh, but I think there's a very strong possibility when people uh, understand what the economics of combining the three companies are, that it will be looked at much differently than it is initially. So, and of course, I I put uh, Grand Columbia in a in a category of like very cheap stocks, and you can buy these stocks at like there's stocks out there at three, four, and five times earnings, and I'm thinking of like Jaguar just reported two cents in a quarter. Let's call it eight cents annualized U.S. eleven cents Canadian. Stocks at 33, three times earnings. Uh, RNX reported, I think it was two cents. The U.S. eight, eleven. The stocks at uh, four and a half times earnings. And Grand Columbia is another one that is probably trading at four times earnings. So there's some really cheap stocks out there, and uh, I haven't nearly dealt with all of them. There's probably lots of other ones that I'm not following for one reason or another, uh, but those ones are cheap. Jaguar and RNX were both on the list. Any other comments you want to have there? Uh, no, other than they, they've had good fundamentals here and they, they're kicking out the cash. That's one of the great things about these companies. When you start kicking out cash at the rate these guys are kicking out, you got to do something with the cash. Well, what are the choices? We're going to have a stock buyback. We're going to have a dividend increase. We're going to go acquire someone. Like these are very positive factors yes. uh, for stock prices. And, for example, in the case of, let's just take Jaguar as an example. Now, I happen to own 49% of this, so I'm biased. But let's say they could earn $0.08 cents U.S., $0.11 cents Canadian. And imagine, I said, well, why don't we pay half of the half of what we earn out in dividends? That'd be $0.05. Cents. You're going to pay with $0.05 cents on a $0.34 cents stock? You know, what would the stock trade at? Right. Not going to stay at $0.34, cents, right? Right. Anyway. So, the, the yeah, final- lots of opportunity there. The final one on the list uh, is a new name that I don't think we've discussed before. Something called Great Thunder. Oh, Great Thunder. It's, it's a, um, a Fenelon play. It owns a property north of uh, Walbridge's Fenelon property. Uh, I own, I think it's 15% of it. It's a neurology. The, as you know, the, the whole Fenelon play just seems to keep getting bigger because Balmoral hit uh, 400 meters south of uh, Walbridge's property. They now own uh, Balmoral, so... The whole area is kind of heating up, and we we really don't know what the dimensions of how big it's going to be. We know that Detour, 75 miles away, or 75 kilometers away, has uh, 15 million ounces. We know there's something in the middle called uh, Martiniere that has 600,000 ounces. We know that Fenelon will have multi-millions of ounces, all on the same belt, the Sunday Lake Deformation Zone, or what they're now calling the Detour Fenelon Belt. So... It's, uh, you know, any, there could be a lot of winners there. You know, that's just one last question. I had a lot of people on my side asking me this week about Wallbridge. What, what yeah. do you think? Is Are they ultimately, a, you know, a takeover target in the end? Or do you think they'll put all of this into their own production? Do you have any, uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I'm sure they'll be taken over. Uh, one of the things about being a junior explorer, for the most part, I think your stock's always undervalued. Yeah. Because... Uh, um, gold companies have, have funny explanations of why they're paying something. And the first thing they'd say is, well, you know, we're assuming the price of gold is going to be thirteen fifty. Therefore, your company is only worth this much, even though it's trading at seventeen fifty. Well, you know, the difference between thirteen fifty and seventeen fifty is a lot of net present value. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, and and this and whatever your net present value is, we're going to discount it at ten percent because you're a junior company. So then you shatter the uh, the nav. 
So, and of course, they, and rightly so, all big companies should be in the business stealing value. So it's hard to get the pro- appropriate value. But I think between Kirkland being in it, myself being in it, and the management, uh, we'll extract a good price if the day comes that, uh, that somebody comes knocking on our door. So we'll stand by on that one. Uh, I, I should mention two other stocks, so, uh, Craig, before we break it off here. Uh, one is just Discovery Mines because they have a huge silver deposit in Mexico. And if this price of silver does what we think it's going to do, you know, from the out house to the penthouse sort of thing, right. it can change very, very fast. Uh, and I also want to mention Free Gold Ventures up in Alaska. I mentioned it last week. I just purchased uh, some shares at 17 cents. Well, I, I bought a big block when it was six, then 17. Then this week I paid 30 cents for a block. I'm now, I think, at uh, 28% ownership, something like that, partially diluted as they define it. Um, but I, I really like the the opportunity there. They've had, they look like they're on to something big. And as I, the more I, more time I spend assessing the property, I now find out there were four mines on this property all that produced over an ounce per ton they the uh the miners who were dredging and and the mining in the creeks apparently took six and a half million ounces out of there just in the creeks so i'm kind of hoping that it all comes together here and it's one of those things where you're reaching for the the golden ring and uh, I think it qualifies in that category. It does. It's certainly a micro cap and it's interesting after the way the stock moved in when you mentioned it last week, I'm sure it'll move again today. Let me, I'll just close with a little tip here, Eric, kind of help you with your investing. You got to kind of keep your mouth shut on some of this stuff, you know? I mean, you can't just, <laughs> I mean, you're never going to get rich at this, Eric. If, if you, no. let me, let me, no. t- I'll, let me, I'll try to help you going forward a little bit. Okay. Yeah, just put the muzzle on me, will you? Yeah, okay. I'll see what I can do. Uh, my friend, it's it's really an interesting time, no doubt about it. Uh, and the, with the way silver now finally seems to be rushing to catch up, another leg in the shares certainly looks like uh, it is underway. Just as we wrap, uh, just any other notes that are on your mind before we go? No, I think we've covered it off. I think the uh, like the proof's in the pudding here, and these stocks are going, the, the precious metals are going. I think the moves will get bigger and bigger. Every, you know, we're looking at an economy that's just in tatters. Stock market's getting a little jumpy here. Uh, it's, I think, the perfect time for precious metals. As you've mentioned, uh, they just stick out like a sore thumb. Uh, and it's the dog's breakfast or whatever that is when uh, you keep seeing all of these mining stocks going up every single day. When everything else is going down, every other sector is cutting their earnings. Uh, every other sector is cutting their dividends. Man, the sector starts to look pretty good. The rule rule kicks in and could be a lot of fun. So thank you for your continued guidance. It's very helpful. Okay, Craig, all the best. From all of us at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Friday.